You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. All right, well, good morning, church. Good to see you. Uh, I'm our associate pastor here. I'm Jake. Uh, would love to just welcome you here. So grateful you're celebrating Christmas season with us right now. Our lead pastor, Josh, uh, is currently relaxing in uh, Hawaii, uh, but also running a marathon at this very present moment. So I was like, dude, do you want to switch places minus the marathon? Because that sounds great. Uh, so make sure to just give him your best aloha this next week. Um, last week, Josh started our Advent series. This is actually the first Advent series we've ever done as a church uh, in four years, and I'm really excited about it. I love it. I love this Christmas season. And so we started off with the candle of hope, uh, something that we could all use a little more of. And hope uh, is based on the promises of God, on his character, on his faithfulness. And so no matter what you are going through, you can have a hope that is sure, that is steadfast, that is true. And so today, uh, we're continuing the series and we're moving from hope uh, to the candle of peace. And as we talk about peace, we're going to be jumping all around the scriptures today. There's so much the Bible has to say on peace. There's over 400 references to peace in the Bible. So one through probably 300 is what we'll get through uh, today. <laughs> Um, but actually, our main passage is going to be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, and as we get there, in this chapter, Joseph and Mary, uh, they're traveling from their hometown in Nazareth, uh, which is where Jesus grows up. Uh, that's their hometown. They're traveling to Bethlehem. This is uh, Joseph's ancestral town uh, where his an uh, ancestors are from. And so there's this imperial census that's going on where the emperor's saying, hey, you got to go back to where you're from uh, in order for us to take the census. And so while they're there in Bethlehem, uh, Mary has baby Jesus. Uh, he is born. And what happens on that very night is that these angels uh, come to these shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. And uh, they say, I bring you good news of great joy. And the angels or the, the shepherds are absolutely terrified uh, when they see all these angels. And they say, don't, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Doesn't matter if you're a king or a lowly shepherd, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And this is the good news. Pick up your text, Luke 2, 11 through 14 says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. Peace on earth. And doesn't that sound lovely? Like we could use a little bit more of that. It makes me think of that movie, um, Miss Congeniality, you ever seen that? <laughs> so it's an oldie, it's a chick flick, uh, still good, you know. Um, but 
Sandra Bullock in it, and they're, they're doing the you know, beauty pageant contest, and all the contestants are asked, you know, what is the one thing our society needs? And they're like, world peace, right? World peace. And she's like, stricter punishment for parole violators, right? <laughs> and then she's like, oh yeah, and world peace. Um, and we could all use world peace. Like, that's, that sounds nice, but it also sounds impossible, because we can take one look around the world today and see there isn't peace. In fact, there's a war in Ukraine that could, it could turn nuclear at any moment. We have natural disasters happening within our own borders and across the world. Uh, we have political chaos, you know, corporate corruption. We have COVID still. We got RSV. We got influenza, which I had two weeks ago. That was fun. Um, you know, peace on earth, what is the deal? What are these angels talking about? And then when we look at the world around us, we don't see peace on earth, but we especially don't see that when we look inside our own world, right? When we look inside us, we see anxiety, we, we have worries, we have fears that are going on within us. Uh, we got stress over work, stress at home, stress over holiday planning, which is my least favorite stress. I don't know about you. Uh, there's holiday, you know, there's, there's flights that are being canceled, delayed, uh, trips to the hospital, you name it. Uh, we all have things that are not bringing us peace right now. In fact, here's a little interesting tidbit. According to Psychology to Today, uh, to today, yeah, uh, the average high schoolers today had the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Wow, that is a wild statement. Uh, and in fact, that's actually a little bit older of a statistic. That's in reference to the millennial generation. And when we look at the stats for Gen Z today, the up and coming generation in high school and college, uh, it's, it's much worse. The levels of anxiety uh, and some mental health issues are increasing. Uh, and so we live in anxious times. Uh, we're an anxious people. And so uh, we wonder, like, is peace even possible? Is peace possible out there? Is peace possible in here? And the reality is when we look at our world and the lack of peace, it's really not much different than the world that Jesus was born into. Um, Luke 2.1, it says this. This is at the beginning of that chapter. Where are you at, Luke 2.1? <clears throat> All right, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Okay, so this is the emperor, the Caesar who is reigning at the time that Jesus Christ is born. Uh, and he reigns from 27 BC to AD 14. And he is a ruthless, bloodthirsty ruler who murdered his way to the top, who murdered his way into keeping power, and who murdered his way into presenting, showing that power. Uh, it's said that he once um, sacrificed, killed 300 of his political enemies on an altar to his late great uncle Julius Caesar. Man, this guy is ruthless, right? And this is the world that Jesus is born into. This is the emperor at the time. And yet under this guy's rule, Caesar Augustus Octavian, under his rule, there is what is called the Pax Romana, uh, in which there's Roman peace, a 200 so-called year uh, reign of peace in the Roman Empire. But this is not the peace that you and I would think of. This is peace by force. This is peace by intimidation. Uh, this is peace by even murder and killing. Uh, for example, in 4 BC, like right around the time that Jesus is born, right after the death of King Herod, there's this uprising in Jerusalem. And Rome comes, they squash that rebellion, and they kill, they, they not only kill, they crucify 
2,000 Jewish men in one day. They crucified them. Like these guys are ruthless. Does that sound peaceful? Does that sound like peace on earth? Uh, and if that weren't bad enough, from the very moment that Jesus took his first breath, he's being hunted. He's being hunted down to be killed. Uh, check out Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 3 is what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And when the king heard this, he's very troubled. King Herod, also a very ruthless, bloodthirsty ruler. Um, he, he hears this from the wise men. Oh, there's, there's a new king in town, right? There's actually a legitimate, a rightful king that has just been born, and we're looking for him. And when King Herod hears this, he is troubled because he knows he's an illegitimate king. He's not the rightful king of Israel. In fact, he's not even fully Jewish. Uh, the way that he got into power was by hopping into bed with Rome, actually with Caesar Augustus himself. And so when he hears about this baby being born, his power is threatened. Can you imagine that? This fully grown man is afraid of a baby. He's troubled. And so when Herod hears this, he tries to trick the wise men, right? He's like, hey, you know, when you go and find this baby, can you come back and tell me? Because I would love to go and to worship him as well, to pay my respects to this newborn king. But that's not what he has in mind. And before uh, the wise men leave Jesus, they're warned in this dream not to go back to Herod. And this is what happens when Herod hears of this. It says, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the Lord, uh, for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And then Herod, when he had saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or younger. Is that not horrific? That this man is so threatened by Jesus as a baby that when he finds out that he's tricked, he goes to Bethlehem and he slaughters all the baby boys two years old or younger. I'm about to have a baby boy in two months. I could not imagine that as a parent. Uh, this guy kills all these baby boys just in hopes that he would kill Jesus. And so from the very first breath that Jesus takes, he's being hunted. Does that sound peaceful to you? But can I tell you about the God of the impossible? That he can bring peace where it seems like there is no way. Uh, think about this. This is Isaiah 
uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. This is written 700 years before Jesus is actually born onto the scene. This is a prophecy about Jesus, and this is what Isaiah says. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. That's written 700 years before Jesus is born. And so what we see is that this is actually all a part of God's plan. And what seems impossible is not impossible with the God of the impossible. Despite Jesus being born into a seemingly impossible situation, right? He's born in a barn. He's born in a feeding trough. Mary is there. There's no doctors around. There's no doulas. There's no medications. There's nothing like that, right? Like props to Mary for that one. Um, Despite him being born into that crazy situation, despite him being born under the tyranny of the Roman Empire, despite him being born and then immediately hunted down to be killed by a power-hungry king, despite all those odds, Jesus lives. He lives a sinless life. And in fact, 30 years later, he gives up his own life on the cross for the sins of the world. Three days later, he is resurrected, and now he ascended to heaven where he is reigning and ruling as the mighty everlasting prince of peace. That's the gospel. That's the God of the impossible. When it seems like it is impossible to have peace, God is going to make it happen. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces this news, you're going to give birth, she asks this question, how can this be? How is this even possible, right? I'm I'm a virgin. I haven't haven't slept with my husband. And he says, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come over you. The Holy Spirit's going to make this happen. And then this is what the angel says to Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Can you say that with me, church? For nothing will be impossible with God. That's in the birth narrative right there. From the very beginning, nothing will be impossible with God. When you look at the situation Jesus is born into, that's an impossible situation. But we follow the God of the impossible who makes the impossible happen. So when you're looking at this earth, peace on earth, nothing will be impossible with God. When you're looking at your life and the relationships in your life, Nothing will be impossible with God. When you're feeling that anxiety in your heart and you feel like peace is impossible, nothing is impossible with God. And so today, as we light this candle of peace, uh, I want to show you, in the the spirit of Christmas, I want to show you three gifts, three presents that the Prince of Peace offers us, three gifts of peace. I want to show you three keys for how to access and receive those gifts today. So the first one is this, inward peace. The Prince of Peace gives us this inward peace. And last week, Josh used these arrows. I'm going to keep the arrow theme going, okay? Uh, In John chapter 14, it says this. Uh, This is Jesus talking with his his disciples the night before uh, he is crucified. It says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Man, what a gift, right? And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You can't find this peace anywhere else. So don't be troubled or afraid. And this is the peace that we like the most, 
Like when we hear about this peace, we're like, oh, yes, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for this peace. Uh, but what we often do is we associate peace with our circumstance. So we think, oh, we have to have the perfect circumstance in order to feel this internal inward peace. You know, if only I didn't have so much homework, then I'd have peace. If only these kids of mine weren't running around crazy screaming all the time, well, then I'd have some peace, right? If only I had this amount of money in my bank account, well, then I'd have peace, right? We base it off of our circumstances. But the Christian peace, the peace of Jesus, the gift that he gives, is not dependent on any circumstance. It transcends all circumstance and all understanding. Philippians 4, you probably know it. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know where the Apostle Paul wrote that from? He writes it from prison. Prison's usually not a very peaceful place, right? Uh, as a pastor, I've got to do some prison visitations. And man, you walk into that place, that is not a place you want to be. That is not a peaceful place. And yet, in that circumstance, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. There's a peace that transcends all understanding. Take Mary, for instance. Mary is in a pretty impossible situation. She's in a terrible circumstance if you look at it from the outside, right? She has to tell her fiance, which is basically in their culture, they're basically married at this point, okay? She has to tell him, hey, I'm pregnant, right? They, we know that they have this conversation because Joseph is thinking, well, I, I guess I have to divorce her, right? I guess, I guess I have to break this thing off. And Mary has to tell him about what has happened. And she's risking divorce. She's risking public shame. She's risking becoming a single mother. She doesn't know the circumstance. And yet, when the angel comes and tells her this news, do you want to know what her response is? This is what Mary says. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. That's a powerful lady right there. She doesn't panic. She doesn't worry. She doesn't let these outward circumstances dictate what's going on inside of her. She trusts. She trusts. And that is the key to receiving this first gift of inward peace is to trust God. Isaiah 26, three through four says, you will keep in perfect peace, not a suboptimal peace, but a perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Man, if you want to access this perfect peace, this gift of inward peace that Jesus the Christ gives us, you have to lay it all at his feet and you gotta trust him. I know there's circumstances in your life that seem like it's impossible for you to be able to have this peace or, or you're struggling to put it at the feet of Jesus to trust him. But I promise you, he is our eternal rock. He is solid. You can depend on him. You can trust in him. And when you do that, you will experience this inward, internal peace. Last month, I was at Boise Bible College teaching a class uh, on discipleship and evangelism. And there was a student at the end who gave uh, his testimony. And he was talking about in high school when he had to have this spinal surgery in which they opened him up and inserted two rods 
along his entire spine. And it's potentially a life-threatening surgery operation. And some of his friends, some of the people in his life, they are, they're terrified for him. They're worried that he's not going to make it out, that he's not going to make it out alive. And through this whole thing, this guy is like, a, you could tell, he's a happy guy. He's a funny guy, um, but he's a solid guy. And he said the entire time, even though other people were worrying, he had peace. He had peace because he said, I have faith in God. I trust God no matter the outcome, no matter what's going to happen. I trust God. And I, I truly believe it. When you look at this guy, I truly believe that he had this internal peace from Jesus through a potentially life-threatening operation. And I need that, peace, I need that faith and that trust like this student had. Because, man, I'm going through a situation right now, a circumstance right now that isn't so peaceful. And yet somehow I've been able to experience that gift of peace that Jesus talks about. It was, it was a month ago that my, my mom was diagnosed with um, stage three ovarian cancer. The day after she got that news, less than 24 hours, she's on the operating table getting those tumors removed. And last week on Tuesday, she started chemo. And so she's going through a very, you know, potentially life-threatening cancer. And she's not even 60 years old yet. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure she just turned 29 again. <laughs> she did. And we've been able to pray with my mom. We've been able to pray with her. Um, we've been able to lift her up in prayer. Um, no matter where we're at, she, they're, they're in Portland. We're over here. Our, my brother's in New York. We're praying for my mom, lifting her up in prayer. And somehow, even in the midst of this terrible situation, right? we're not going to whitewash and be like, oh, it's all butterflies and rainbows. No, this situation is not great. But yet, somehow, we've been able to experience the peace of Christ. And I'll tell you, we've had to fight for it. There's plenty of times where there's doubt just crossing my mind. But trust and faith, it's a fight. And you've got to fight for it. There's spiritual forces at work that want to take that peace away from you. But trust in the Lord who is your eternal rock. Stay secured to that peace. Let me tell you, uh, this is Micah. Chapter 5. This is, again, about 700 years before Jesus is born onto the scene. Uh, and he talks about our king of peace. He says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah. So 700 years in advance, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Though you are a small, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old from ancient times, right? Jesus has always existed. He has always been God. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will, be, they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. And in this season, can you let Jesus be your shepherd? Can you let Jesus be your security? May we let Jesus be our peace. He is our peace. And this is the first gift he gives us, his inward peace. Let's trust him and receive it. The second gift is this. 
forgot, I have these little illustrations. This is a box. It's empty. But it represents inward peace, OK? The second gift that Jesus gives us is outward peace. This is peace between us and the other people in our lives. And oftentimes, the thing that breaks up our internal peace so much is when we have a lack of peace between us and somebody else in our lives, especially during these holiday seasons, right? When we're getting together with family, maybe family we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, maybe there's old baggage, hurt, scars, hang-ups that are in your family. Uh, and maybe there's a lack of peace going on in your relationships in your life right now. And maybe you're thinking as you see these people, there's not going to be peace, right? We might be able to just tolerate each other. We might have to be in separate rooms. But do you remember what the angel said to Mary? Nothing will be impossible with God. And I've, t I've seen some of the wildest acts of restoration in relationship, in, of reconciliation. I've seen enemies come back to being friends, to being family. The God of the impossible is at work, and nothing will be impossible with him. Think about Joseph's situation for a moment, right? Mary has to come tell him that she's pregnant. And he doesn't know that this is a miraculous conception, right? How many times does that happen in human history? Once, OK? So he's like, well, she cheated on me. And uh, so I'm just going to break this thing off quietly. Now, he could have blown this whole thing up, but he chose not to because the text says he's a good man. He's a righteous man. He's a just man. And so he decides to break this off quietly. But before he does that, this is what happens. An angel comes to him in Matthew 1, 20 through 25. It says, as he's considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with you this morning. God is with us in this place. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And then he called his name Jesus. And so before Jesus is even born, He's bringing peace in this relationship between Mary and Joseph. And notice this about Joseph. We never hear a single word from him in any of the Gospels, right? Not a word from Joseph, but what we do get is the testimony of his life. What we do get to see is him obeying the Lord and following through with the things that he is called to do from God. That is his testimony, is his life, is his response, it's his actions. And when it comes to receiving this gift of outward peace, it is going to take action. It is going to take a response from you. You're thinking, what the gift, I got to do something to receive it? Yeah, this actually requires something from you. Matthew 5 8 says, blessed are the peacemakers. This is just a few chapters later. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Not only those who receive peace, but those who make peace. It's an active word. 
And so this is going to require a response from you. In fact, it requires a twofold response from you. The first is this, Matthew 5, 21 through 24. It says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everybody who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so this, this response requires you to ask for forgiveness. Something that usually doesn't come so naturally, so easily. But he says, if your brother, if your sister, if somebody has something against you, then it's your job, even before you come to worship, that you go to them and you ask for forgiveness. And something that, a quote that Josh and I have quoted many times over the years, it's just too good. I have to say it once again. Kevin, uh, Ken Sandy, Kevin Johnson say, if I'm only 2% responsible for a conflict, I'm 100% responsible for that 2%. So no matter how small of a part you have to play, there's something that you likely have to ask forgiveness for. And that actually can be a spark into reconciling the whole relationship. And so during this holiday season, where do you need to make peace? Where do you need to ask for forgiveness? Uh, can, I show you, can I show you an object of division? Okay? You thought this was my drinking mug. It's not. It's an object of division, all right? This is a powder-coated stainless steel mirror mug from Push and Pour Coffee Shop, all right? Let's just establish the facts. So I was at a white elephant gift exchange, also known as a Yankee Swap, a few weeks ago. And uh, this happened to be opened up. And I was like, I want that, okay? So I, I happened to be first in line to go get a white elephant gift. And uh, when I got up there, the host slipped me this little piece of paper. And on it, it said, at the end of the game, you can steal any gift you want. Doesn't matter. So I'm like, this is great. So I see this gift opened up from one of my friends, goes to another one of my friends, AKA the electric guitarist this morning. He might be harboring some resentment in his heart. I don't know. And then it ends up in the hands of none other than our youth director, Riley Smith, okay? And at the end of the game, he's just all smiles. He's all smiles. And uh, the host says, OK, Jake, um, you can stand up and just read this piece of paper. I read it out loud. I immediately go over to him. He's not seeing it coming. I take this right out of his hands, OK? <laughs> this mug. And I uh, gave him a gingerbread house instead. So <laughs> I say, yeah, have fun. Make that with your girlfriend. So. Um, I stole this mug. I really wanted it. <laughs> Spirit of Christmas. And, uh, you know, it might have brought me a little bit of joy, you know, seeing his face when I stole this out of his hands. But on the way home, I was like, I do feel a little bit bad. I feel a little bit bad. So I messaged him like, dude, you forgive me? And he's like, yeah, I forgive you, bro. And then this morning, Zach's like, I don't forgive you. <laughs> you didn't ask me. Uh, no, he, he forgives me. Wherever you're at, I know you forgive me. Uh, but that brings me to that second point is Matthew 6, uh, 14 through 15. Uh, this is what Jesus says 
about forgiveness. This is pretty intense. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That is some stern language. That is some serious stuff right there. He says, in order to make peace, you got to forgive, just like your Father in heaven has forgiven you. And oftentimes when we withhold forgiveness, uh, we think we're punishing the other person, we're punishing ourselves. When we withhold forgiveness, we actually become more and more bitter. And that root of bitterness takes hold in our hearts and makes us people that we don't want to be. And so I encourage you in this holiday season, forgive. No matter how big or small, no matter how hard or difficult it might be, the call in this season is to forgive. And I know that seems impossible sometimes. But like I said, I have seen reconciliation between two people who absolutely hate each other. I've seen reconciliation in my own life uh, where I've ha- I held on to bitterness for two years before. And that made me a bitter person. And as soon as I forgave and let that go, immediately that root of bitterness was rooted up and gone from my life. And I felt that freedom and that healing, that weight gone from my shoulders. I want that for you this morning. I want that for your relationships. Follow the God of the impossible. He can make it happen. Trust him in that. Let me tell you a wild story, a miraculous story, a seemingly impossible story of peace. This is about over 100 years ago, 1914, Christmas Eve. Uh, It's World War I, and you have the British, you have the German uh, in their trenches, opposing sides, this no man's land. And on that eve, on that night, uh, in some of the trenches down the British lines and some of the trenches down the German lines, you hear Christmas carols starting to be sung. And then you end up seeing these Christmas trees that are getting lit up in the trenches and you hear the bullets stop flying. Uh, and what ends up happening is that these, these soldiers, they end up getting out of their trenches, crossing no man's land and meeting in the middle. And they actually give each other gifts and presents. Uh, they say Merry Christmas to one another. And they actually end up playing several games of soccer that night on Christmas Eve. These polar opposite enemies who were just hours before trying to kill each other. And yet on the eve of Christmas, a Christmas miracle, a seemingly impossible situation, the God of the impossible, Christ Jesus, brings peace even if just for a moment. It's a miraculous story. So whatever you think is impossible in your life, I promise you, the God of the impossible can make peace happen. Bring it to Jesus, the one who is our reconciler, our rock, the one who makes reconciliation happen. So that's the second gift. The second gift, first, inward peace. Secondly, outward peace. The third gift that Jesus brings us is the gift of, of upward peace. And we need peace internally. We really desire that. We really need that in our lives, especially in today's day and age. We need peace with others in our lives, especially during this season. But we need more than anything else 
And if we want these two things to happen more than anything else, we need peace with God. We need peace with our Lord himself. And the scriptures tell us uh, that our sin has separated us from God. That because of our sin, we actually don't have peace with God. And talk about an impossible situation, right? The God of the universe, whom we have personally wronged, the God who is completely holy and pure and eternal and sinless, we have sinned against that God. And yet, this is the exact reason that Jesus is born. Matthew 1, 20 through 21 says, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And God makes an impossible situation, this gap between us and him, and he closes that gap through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And from the very beginning of the Gospels, from the birth narrative itself, we see Jesus' purpose for why he came, and that is to save us from our sins. That's the good news this angel announces to Joseph. And the Apostle Paul summarizes this gospel peace in Romans 4, 25 through 5, 1, when he says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. That's the key to receiving this third gift, is to receive Jesus himself, is to receive his death, burial, resurrection into your life, making him your leader, your forgiver, your savior, your Lord. And we would love to talk to you more about that. We would love to pray with you. Our prayer team is going to be right up here at the end of service. We'd love to talk to you more about baptism and giving your whole life over to Jesus, because this is the only way that we get peace with God. There's a, a Christian from the fourth century, the 300s. Uh, he lived in North Africa, uh, Roman-occupied North Africa. His name is St. Augustine. He's one of the most famous, most brilliant, influential Christians who has ever lived. Uh, and he didn't start out as a Christian. He had a long journey, a long road, uh, trying to find fulfillment and meaning and purpose in literally anything else, uh, in money, in sex, in fame, uh, in women, in notoriety, in philosophy, in all types of different religions. And then finally in his life, he found it in Jesus. And he says this iconic line. He says, you, Jesus, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And maybe you are experiencing that restlessness this morning. There is a peace and a rest that only Jesus can give you. And it is found in him. And many of you know, many of you in this room have moved from that restlessness to that peace with God. And I encourage you to lean into that today, to lean into the relationship that you have with him, the peace that you have with God, the rest that you have with him. Because I know that at times in our lives, we doubt, we wonder, do I even have peace with God? But the reality is, yes, you do. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus himself has done. A few years ago on Easter, 
I sent uh, the Christmas or the Easter link uh, to one of my neighbors. Uh, she loved it so much, she sent it to her brother in Florida. And he uh, has been a Christian for a while, but he just really was struggling mentally uh, with his salvation. Is he saved? Is he not? Does he have peace with God? Does he not? Uh, and after listening to that sermon, which was about our assurance of salvation in Jesus, he, he walked away a completely different person. Uh, he had a profound peace that he had not had. That wrestling, that restlessness was gone in him. And maybe that's what you need here this morning. You actually do have peace with God, and yet you need to lean into it and to believe it because you have it in Christ. And so these are the three gifts, this inward peace that Jesus gives us, this outward peace with others in our lives, this last gift of upward peace, peace with God himself. And the reality is this. We live in a broken world. You and I know that. Uh, and so even though I truly believe that we can have inward peace from Jesus, I also know that there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be stress, there's going to be worries and fears that creep in from time to time. Creating this message, there was all those things in my heart. There's going to be times where I truly believe that we can have peace with other people, even in the most seemingly impossible situations. And yet, I also know that some people are not going to be willing to reciprocate that forgiveness. That you might be closing this gap, and they're not even willing to make that 10%. That's, that's on them, right? God says in Romans, live peaceably with all as, as far as it depends on you. Do what you can. And yet we know some people just aren't going to be willing to make that move. I believe we should work for peace on earth. I think we can see it at moments in our lifetime, but I also know that's not going to be fully realized until the Prince of Peace returns. And that's what this season is about, is Advent, this season of waiting. Waiting, not for the first coming of Christ. We already have that. Our hope is sure because of that. But our waiting, our hope is in the return of Jesus, his second arrival, him coming back, restoring peace, him making all things right, making all things new, him bringing that shalom peace that is going to saturate the new heavens and the new earth, this shalom peace that is going to define our very existence as we spend eternity in the presence of the mighty everlasting prince of peace. That's what we wait for. That is our hope, and that's the peace on earth that we long for. Let me conclude by reading maybe my most favorite passage in the scriptures about what is going to happen when Jesus returns, this peace that he will bring with him. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore. 
for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That is the day we long for. That is the peace that is coming to us. Let's pray. God, we submit all our anxieties, worries, all our broken relationships, all the things that are in our life that are lacking peace, we put them at your powerful feet, knowing that you're the only one who can take care of these things, knowing that you're the one who has promised us a peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that guards our hearts and minds in Jesus, a peace that the world cannot give, only you give us. And so we trust you today, Jesus. We trust you with everything in our lives. And I pray now that your peace would descend upon this place. I I pray that your peace would rule in our hearts, reign in our hearts right here and now. God, we give you it all. And we thank you for the future. We thank you for the hope that is coming to us. We thank you for this new heavens and new earth in which we will see our Prince of Peace face to face, worshiping him forevermore. And we will receive that peace in all of its entirety. We thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, Jesus. We give it all to you. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.